Welcome to the City on a Hill Church Brighton podcast. We exist to help people love, trust, and follow Jesus in everyday life. We're glad you're here, and thanks for listening. More information on the life and mission of City on a Hill Church can be found at coabrighton.org. That's C-O-A-H-Brighton.org. All right, good evening, church, and happy Thanksgiving again to you. Um, This week is like part two of two in this one passage. Guys, this might be one of the most rich prayer like in the entire New Testament. Valerie, I didn't know it was your favorite passage, and it's excellent that you read this for us and let us. Valerie did an excellent job, Brandon, you, you as well, and Nick and his wife. Uh, man, I love being a part of this church, guys. I've got tons to be thankful for, and so do us because of Christ and this church and the gospel. Um, I want to begin as we unpack this passage, part two, is uh, the title of this message is just Inner Strength, Inner Strength from an Eternal Savior. Um, and as we begin, uh, I don't know if you guys do this in your home, but like right after Thanksgiving, we immediately get out the Christmas decorations. Like we're one of those families that like come July, we're kind of itching for Christmas music and we're ready to go. Is anybody like that where you're just kind of itching, ready to go, stuff up? Yeah, I think a, co- a couple of other you guys kind of got your decorations together. Well, if you're a real Christian, uh, you get a real tree. I don't get a real tree. I use an artificial tree because I don't want to spend that money. I don't want to go drive and find one. I don't want to cut it down. I just want it to be there every year. Anybody else kind of like me? You kind of do fake style. That's right. Amen. That's the first amen this morning. That's good. Or this evening. So I like an artificial tree. And ours in particular was a gift. It's got four parts of it. If you've ever seen an artificial tree, uh, you kind of put the base on and then you kind of put the wider chunk at the bottom, then the next chunk, the next chunk, and then you've got this top chunk. There's four different levels of it. And there's a key, right? You've got to build it in the right order, right? You must build it on top of itself. And then because it has lights already attached, you've got to kind of plug it in in the right spots for it all to work together, okay? Well, the other year, it was Shisera's first year with us. This was last year. And it was her turn to put the angel on top of the tree. Now, that's a big deal in the Peter's tradition. Whoever kind of rotate who gets to put it up there. It was Shisera's year. She was hype. Kiana was hype. Emily and I were excited, but we didn't stack the tree parts and connect the lights together correctly. Uh, so she, when she went to kind of put the star on top and plug it in, it didn't work. And all the hype just kind of depleted in her. Well, why did it work, right? Because the building blocks of power were not connected properly. Therefore, the tree, the lights had no power in them, right? It was all there. All the lights were there. All the power things were there, but it wasn't connected properly for us. And this is what Paul is helping us to see in today's passage. Listen, in order to experience the power of God in your life, you must be properly connected to him. You must have the building blocks of your relationship all in order and connected in order to experience God more fully. Guys, this is what Paul is really helping us to see. And it was really apparent to me as I was thinking about that Christmas tree illustration. All of those parts had to be built on each other, connected properly for the power of the lights to be on. And it's the same thing. I want to show you today the building blocks of what Paul is building on in this prayer. And when you and I are built in this relationship with him a certain way, then you begin to experience the power and work of God in your life more. And that's what Paul's trying to get this brand new church plant to see. 
So last week we saw that Paul was in a position of what in prayer? Do you guys remember? It gave a specific word in verse 14. What was that word? He was kneeling in prayer, right? And we learned that kneeling was somewhat rare in Jewish practice because when one knelt, they were communicating to God a really like exceptional and earnestness in prayer. They were really wanting something to happen. So then that begs the question for us, what is Paul so earnest about? Like, what is he so eager for God to do through his prayer? And he's eager to have four building blocks in place so that the tree of our faith, if you will, will be lit with power and strength and we can fully experience God more. So there's four building blocks. We did two blocks last week and two blocks this week. So let me show you those blocks in verse 16 through 21. You can look at your Bible and see it for yourself. It will have it on the screen, verse 16. That according to the riches of God's glory, Paul says, God, will you grant us, here's the first block, to be strengthened with power through or because of your spirit in our very inner being. So we talked about an inner strength with God, right? You guys remember that? We talked about that there's so much devastation and depression, discouragement, hardships that we face in life. And if there's something that holds us together internally, then it doesn't matter per se what happens externally. If we have a strong inner foundation or inner life with God, then we can endure a lot of things externally. So Paul prays, if you want to experience God more in your life, you must have an inner strength that's cultivated with the Holy Spirit. And how's the Holy Spirit speak? Through his word, through his people, and through time with him. So that was the first building block we talked about, right? You guys remember that? And then verse 17, it, it gives you the next block. So that, can you see how it builds? Be strengthened with power and the spirit in your inner being. Then here's the next thing. So that if that happens, here's the next block, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Remember that? And then I gave you a ridiculously long illustration. Do you guys remember that? Where I talked about your heart kind of being like a home and God going into the library of your mind and seeing your thoughts and you giving those thoughts over to him and into the rec room and how you played or what you do with your free time with Netflix and have you given that over to him? And we talked about that word dwell means giving God every room in the house, every corner of your heart and letting his rule and reign dwell or have his way in your life. So that's building block number two. Inner strength with God, walk with him, and then you'll watch him do something inside of you with his rule and reign. You'll watch him begin to change things. And then here's step three. It says that you, here's the next step, that you, if these happens, man, you're gonna be rooted and you're gonna be grounded in love. Because when God sits down his rule and reign in your life, He's not some angry dictator. He's a benevolent father and king. And when he sets or dwells in us, his rule and reign, you will feel, you'll be rooted in a deep love because you will have experienced that God knew you fully in your sin, but he loved you fully worth where you're at and died in your place. So when you let God have every corner of your heart, every room given your mind, your soul, your actions, you give him over your life, you spend time with him, you begin to be rooted in something to where it doesn't have to be your job if your job fails you or a relationship or a marriage or a kid. You're rooted in something that doesn't change. 
So the two things we're going to see here today is the kind of the last two building blocks of today's message. This idea of this incomprehensible love of God and this incredible power that can be yours with God. So we keep reading in verse 18, we see this third building block, right? That you'll be grounded in love, that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. And then he gives us kind of a list of things here. He gives us a measurement of God's love. I'm not a cook. Uh, If you want anyone to cook for you, his name is Nick. He leads worship. He's a fantastic chef. I've had multiple meals. Him and his wife had us over. Nick, I've cooked no meals for him. I should never cook, but Nick is an excellent cook. And Nick, I don't know if he does his, you know, books, recipe books or whatever, but he measures stuff out and it tastes so good. And that's what Paul's doing in this passage. He's measuring out God's love so you can taste and see how good it is. And he says, I want you to have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what's the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Now, side note, that's an incredible amount of knowledge, isn't it? He says, I want you to have strength to comprehend something that you can't comprehend. Do you get what I'm saying? I want you to have strength to comprehend what surpasses knowledge. How can you know something that's past knowledge? It's experience. It's experiencing that information. And like this, I've shared this with you before. Um, I like donuts. You can look at my physique and you can tell, I know that man likes donuts. And so I like sugar. I like donuts. And there's a particular donuts at Union Square Donut that I love. It's the maple bacon donut. There will be a lot of those in heaven. Arguably communion might be made out of that in heaven. I don't know obviously just a joke, but listen, I love that donut and I can describe it to you. It's maple. I can describe how much sugar I can tell you about the crispiness of the bacon, the cakeness and the fullness of the donut, but it fails in comparison to you actually tasting it. I can tell you the information, but I want you to experience it. That's what Paul's saying. I want you to comprehend with all the saints, the breadth, the length, the height, the depth of the love of God that surpasses knowledge. I want you to feel it experience it, taste it. Do you see this prayer? It's powerful, but it builds on the previous blocks. You and I cannot feel and experience and understand the depth of this love if we don't develop an inner walk with him, right? If we're not spending time with him in this inner being, if we're not letting Christ set down his rule and reign on our life, we won't feel or experience or know the love of God. Do you see how this builds together? It's so important how this passage builds. And then last, we're going to see when this all happens, you and I will be filled with the fullness of God. And we'll talk about what that means for us. And it's incredibly powerful. So do you guys see how the building blocks work, right? You guys see that? That makes sense to you? Guys, this is so, so key for us. Because when the blocks are built the right way, a power begins to build in your life. And you experience God doing far more abundantly than all you ask or think because of the power of those blocks at work in you. Do you guys see that? That's how this verse ends. It tells you that the power of God that's in you, God will work and do far abundantly all more than we ask or think. But all these blocks got to be in place. So guys, listen, I'm so passionate about you understanding this because listen, Some of you in this room, I've I've talked to you. We've sat down in my home or we've had coffee together. Listen, some of you don't sense God or you don't see God at work in your life. 
And I think this passage tells us maybe why. Because you haven't built the blocks and therefore haven't experienced the power of God to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. And this is true for the church of Ephesus as well. So Paul prayed for them in chapter one that they would understand God's work. And then here in chapter three, he prays that they can feel and experience the work of God and the power of God in their life. So that's why we spent the last week talking about the first two building blocks. And then today we'll talk about the last two building blocks. And here's the point I wanna unpack first is this incomprehensible love of God. Verse 16, let me read it for you again. Paul says, God, I I pray that you will grant them according to the riches of your glory. Verse 18, strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Guys, listen, when you again, would you allow Christ to settle down his rule and reign in your life, you begin to sense something about him. You begin to sense his love spread to every corner and dark pocket of your life in your past. Listen, you begin to sense and experience his breath and the length and the height and the depth of a really immense love that Christ has for you in particular, not just generally, but you, your story, your heart, your past. When you allow for God's way of living to become your way of living, your life becomes dominated by a sense, a tangible sense of his love that affects everything. And it changes how you view yourself and how you deal with hardships, how you cope with the unknown in the future and a million other things. So I want to take a brief moment and like maybe Nick, I don't know, Nick, you do or not. It seems like your recipes are on fire. They're bomb. Nick has some sort of measurement, some sort of tasting of this recipe. I want to give you what Paul's saying. What does Paul mean in the first measurement of the breadth of God's love? What does it mean that you and I are to understand the breadth of God's love? I've never considered this honestly really before. I've never really thought about it. We just looked at those measurements. You're like, man, that's a lot of love. And we keep on moving to the passage, right? But did we slow down and think about this? You know, there's several places in scripture where this particular dimension of God's love is put before us. And I believe chapter seven of the book of Revelation does this best to detail the breadth of God's love. Let me read it to you. Revelation seven, the author John is having this vision, this picture of what heaven will be when we see it, my friends. And he says, after this, I looked and behold, in heaven, there was a great multitude that nobody could number. There were people from every nation there and all the tribes and all the people, all the languages. And they were standing before the throne, before the lamb, before Jesus. They were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And they were all crying out in one voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. In Revelation 5, he kind of continues this. He says, the number of these people were 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands and thousands is what it says. This passage particularly is interested in the breadth of God's love. Why? Because it gives us the picture of the types of people that God loves. And friends, it's all of them. 
There's a great multitude that no one could number from every tribe, every political group, every sports team, every ethnicity, every educational status, every ability, everything, every marital status, every hardship. God sees them and he loves all of them. There's a breath, everyone in the scale of existence. God loves all of them. And why does he start here, do you think? What is the church at Ephesus struggling with right now internally? Racial conflict, aren't they? The Jews and the Gentiles are struggling. And you know what he's saying? I want you to comprehend how God's family is big enough for all of us to be in here. All of us can be a part of God's family. If we trust in Jesus, we came in as maybe enemies or strangers and we leave as friends and family. And guys, there's a really big application for us because what this teaches us, hey, are you hopeless about anybody in your family that doesn't know Christ? Do you think that anyone's too far for God to reach or to love? And do you know what this passage also does? It gets rid of prejudice and superiority in our hearts. That person at work that always talks about their experiences and how great they are and they think they're a know-it-all and they just irk us and we don't like them anymore. When you comprehend how deep God loves all types of people and that sinks in your heart as an experience, then you begin to experience that with that person because you see how every type of person, God had a breath. He looked at the entire scale of humanity and he said, I don't pick some favorite group of people or background. And so my friends, as a Christian, this breaks down racism. This breaks down our prejudices and our superiority, doesn't it? I want you to comprehend the breadth of his love. What about the second thing though? He says, I want you to comprehend the length of God's love. Well, what do we think that means? The length of his love is almost like God saying, I want you to watch a home video with me. Did anybody have VHS tapes of you as a child that you watched? And you're like, hey, mom and dad, what were you drinking when you took this video? Because why am I nauseous watching this? Or we had as a kid, we had a, a picture cabinet. You know, my mom and dad didn't organize all the pictures. They just went to CVS and they printed them out in a Kodak machine and you brought them home. And then we just sort of stuck this in this picture case. Does anybody else have something like that? Anybody disorganized in that way? Mom and dad, if you're watching, I love you. Not like no hate there, but it just like was this giant kind of bin that was, had a lamp on top of it. And then you just kind of shoved the pictures in. You, that was the memory book of your childhood. Well, God's length of his love is sort of him like, pulling up a chair and saying, come here, come here, come here, let me sit down. Let me show you how long I've loved you. And he starts bringing out these pictures of before the first molecule was in existence. And he says to us, hey, in love, I predestined you for adoption to myself. And I chose you before the foundation of the world that I would make you holy by paying for your sins. I would make you, you, you blameless. And then he's like, well, and then look at this picture. I, I brought your mom or dad or I brought you into existence. And then look at this picture. This is the first time you ever saw or understood something about the Bible. Look at this picture over here. This is when you trusted in me. 
Look at this picture about how I did this in your life when you didn't think anything was happening or no one loved you. Look at this picture. Look at this. And then he says, hey, look at this. This is, this is when you trusted me. This is when you were baptized. This is when you started going to City on a Hill Church. Remember that? And you know, this is when you got that job that you prayed for. This is when you met your spouse or this is when you were single and you had great resolve and great hope in, in me. This is when you had a child, when you prayed for that. And it just keeps going and going, going, going. And he's like, hey, this is, this is what heaven's gonna look like. He gets to kind of revelation. This is what's gonna be like. You're not gonna have tears or sorrow. Remember when your mom or dad passed away or you have a really challenging family situation that you're going through with your siblings right now or your family, how it feels disjointed. You know, in heaven, I'm gonna fix all that. He just sits down with you and he shows you the length, how long he's loved you in particular. I know this is true because Romans chapter eight, verse 30 shares this as well. It says, for those whom he predestined, he also called. For those whom he called out to, they believed in him and then he justified. And then those whom God justified, he did what he glorified. Guys, that passage, Romans eight thirty, is God's track record of how long he's loved you. Before you existed, all the way until through eternity. There was not one moment where his love was not fully blasted towards you. His heart eager to bring you into existence, to, for your sins to be paid for, and for you to know him forever. This is how long God has loved you. And do you realize that the entire time God knew every sin that you would ever commit, his love didn't teeter when he found that out. God knew all along every sin, every rebellion, every challenge, Every time you didn't care about him, he knew it. And he still says, I pick you, I choose you, I love you. And that love woos our hearts to place our faith and our trust in him. And he's saying, I want you to comprehend how long God has loved you. Infinite eternities that way and infinite eternities this way. He's never stopped. It's never dwindled. It's never lessened on what you did. This is how long his love is. And when you grasp that, here's what happens. When you grasp that, here's what you don't fear the unknown. You don't fear the future. Why? Because if God loved you then, all through history past, and he promises to all love you in history future, and you know what heaven's going to be like for you, where there's no more trial and no more tears or hardship or death or family problems at Thanksgiving or brokenheartedness in your marriage or relationship or singleness or with your kids. If you know that's where it's happening, then you don't fear the future because he's loved you a long time. It's like when my girls look at me and say, daddy, I love you forever. I'm like, you've loved me for like three years tops. What do you mean forever? But when God says, I love you forever, he means forever. There's not one moment that he like started to love you and one moment he stopped. Do you realize that? Like you were in the infinite mind of God always loving you. That's the beauty and the hope we have of those who are in Christ. That's your reality. The breadth, everyone, the length, forever. And then you get to this depth. So I'm gonna get to height in a moment, but depth. What does this mean? It means no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, there's a deep well of love that never runs out for you. Romans 5.8 tells us, it's a familiar verse to a lot of us. It says, but God shows, demonstrates, reveals his love for us in that while we were still, 
like not when we got ourselves together, when we fixed ourselves, when we came to church, when we gave our life to Jesus, when we were still sinners, far from him, rebelling against him, God showed his love for us then while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Brandon started our service and told us that nothing separates us from the love of Christ. There's no height, there's no depth, there's no ruler, there's no enemy, there's no sin you can do to separate God's love. Listen, if you're in Christ, there is nothing that you have done to make God love you less. And there's no good that you can do to make God love you more. His depth of his love never runs out. The depth of his love goes further than any hole you can dig in your sin. When you get down all the way through your sin and rebellion, you know who's sitting there? God, with the same amount of love for you that pulls you out of that pit and shows you this is the way I had for you to flourish. This is what you were longing for you when you went to that sin anyway. Let me give it to you. And it's in me in a relationship with me. Never runs out. Guilt and shame. Do you know what that means for guilt and shame? It means it can be erased. Guilt and shame tells you that I'm not acceptable. I'm not good enough. And I've got to earn my way back to you, God. But when God already knew it and God already came to you, God already died for it, then he doesn't have wrath there to meet you or shame. That was poured out on the cross. So that all you know is this depth of God's love. So Christian who is struggling with addiction right now, whether it's known or unknown, and you feel like you are just a scum of the earth, Jesus was buried in the earth so that you would know that you are not the scum of the earth. Jesus took that sin. He took that feeling of guilt and shame. He died for it. So all he has towards you is infinite and only love. The depth of God's love took Christ from the heights of heaven down to the depths of our sin, down to the depths of the earth and died in your place. This is the depth of God's love, that he would take on a nature that was not his, take on sin that's the epitome of something that God is not. And then God, who is life, went to the depths of taking on death, which is so against his nature. A God of life can't take on death, but he did. He went to the depths of that for you. So my friend, this just shatters self-pity. If you're sitting there just kind of like, woe is me and God doesn't care about me. And I have a lot of grace towards you, but I want to pull your head up for a second. So when you grasp the depth, it shatters your self-pity You can't sit there and just think about how trash you are and how bad you are and how unvaluable you are because there is someone who literally changed their entire trajectory for you. From the heights of heaven to the depths of earth, to the depths of sin, to the depths of death, to bring you out of the depths of sin and self-pity. Guys, it changes everything. Do you see this? It changes when you think about your, your worth is in your performance or it's in your relationships or you can't have peace unless you have peace with someone else in your life or you have to be in a specific job or in a specific city to feel like your life means something. This changes everything for you. If you get the depth of the love, doesn't matter where you are, you can be secure in that space. And then last, this fourth dimension of this incomprehensible love is the height, the height. Now, what does that mean? God loves you with this height of his love. Well, this height is all about the destination of where God's love is taking you. 
which is where? Where's God's love taking you? It's taking you to the heights of heaven. It brought you out of the depths of sin in the grave, and then it brings you somewhere. It doesn't leave you on earth with the heartbroken family situations, the anxiety and the depression we may be feeling this season. He doesn't just take you from the depths and leave you on earth. No, his love takes you to the heights of heaven. Revelation 21 says, again, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with mankind. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. And look what he'll do. The height of his love will physically wipe away every tear from your eye. Death shall be no more for you. There will be no more mourning, no more crying, no more anxiety, no more depression, no more loneliness, no more suicidal thoughts, no more self-hatred, no more pity. For the former things will have passed away. That's the height. He's gonna elevate you above all of the trials that you have ever faced in your existence. Every addiction, every hardship, all of it. Guys, this is the love of God. And when you grasp this, it changes everything for you. You know, depression or anxiety can sometimes feel like you know, kind of walls are closing in. You can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And for the Christian, even with the medical condition, you know there's a light at the end of the tunnel. God's revealed it right here for you. You may struggle with this the rest of your life, but one day God will fix it for you. He will heal and help and redeem all of it. This is the hope that's set up for you. Now, last thing with this that I really want you to zoom in on. I think this is really fascinating that we skip over often in this passage. Remember how it started. Go back to the very beginning. Look how it started. This is super key. Verse 18. Remember the prayer is, God, would you grant them strength to comprehend with who? who what does it say right there? Comprehend with who? Comprehend with all the saints. What's the breadth, length, height, and depth? Do you realize what this means? That you in order to comprehend this love of God, you must know the love of God that's in the saints in this room. You understand God's love more when you know more people's stories and how God has loved them. You experience the breadth and the height and the length and the depth. When you're with this, you need the saints is what I'm telling you. You need other Christians. You need community group so that you can understand God's love more. You need DNA groups or small groups of just a few guys and a few girls to talk about your sin and your struggles and your hardships so that you can feel the love of God from, from God in them, through them, to you. You need the saints to do this. Guys, this is just, when I think about this, when I think about the, the we're open family, we, we share our, our, our struggles and our stories often. There's several families like that in our church. And I want you to see something about the breadth of God's love but it's simply even our story. So that's what we share about Kiana or Shisera, that God would love this girl that none of us in this room were connected with, even our family, that this girl that needed a home that was in a really trying, neglective situation in her life, God would love her when she doesn't maybe look like us or is educated like us. There's not even our age frame like us. And that the breath of God love said, this girl over here, I'm gonna give her my love. Cole Brighton, send her my love. And you guys did, you prayed for her. You took care of her and co kids. You came to my house. You bought me gifts for her. You gave her flowers. You love this little girl because God said, I love all of these people in Boston and I'm going to use you to reach them. The breadth of God's love. 
Guys, the thing about the length of God's love, guys, I want you to spend time with older Christians in our church. If you look around, Brandon Eitzen might be the oldest person we have in this church. Go spend time with Brandon, right? Joke, of course. But guys, what this teaches us is that we need to spend time with people that are you're not your own age group. That's why we don't have community groups that are just set up age-based. Because you need to spend time with older Christians to see the length of what they've been through and how long God endured and loved them. This helps you when you might be walking in some new steps. This might be your first job out of college and you're in a new city and you're kind of disoriented. Maybe you've been newly married and you're like, I don't know how to think. Maybe it's your first time having a child and you're like, I don't know what to, I don't know what to do. And you need some time with other Christians so you can experience God's length of his love. You and I can't experience the love of God unless we're with the saints. Because I think about the height of God's love and I was sharing with our team before our service and, and prayer, we were praying out in the front and uh, my apartment manager and I are really good friends. His name is Tom. And I've been praying for Tom for four years since I've met him. Actually, a few weeks before we moved to Boston, we started talking on the phone about some cool things we can do to kind of interact with the apartment, get some more residents to live there to kind of help their income grow. And we sort of were talking about all of that on the phone. Since then, Tom and I've shared tons of stories, tons of time together, lots of meals, lots of hangouts together. And Tom recently just had a severe stroke two Mondays ago. Tom allowed me, obviously, to permission to share all this. He was in the hospital at St. Elizabeth's Hospital. I go and visit him every day for the past two weeks. Kyle and I visit him or I call him, uh, but I go and visit him often with Kyle. And then they just diagnosed him recently. He's got cancer in his thyroid. He's got cancer on his kidney. He's got cancer in his prostate. And we know where Tom's going. We know that this life with what he has is not going to last long for Tom. And through our conversations with me and there's another friend that he knows named Pat that just sells, he's a wholesale carpet sailor. And both uh, Pat and myself are sharing verses with Tom and Kyle sharing verses. My wife is sharing, we're praying with them. We've been doing this every day for two weeks and all Tom wants to do is talk about Jesus. He wants to talk about heaven. He wants to talk about, is there hope for me? He wants to talk about, you know, is there such a place like this? And recently, after all these conversations, reading the Bible together, Tom tells us, Tom tells Kyle and I, hey, I, I need this Jesus. And I accept this Jesus as my Lord and I need him as my savior and I need him as my God. Because all I want, even if this cancer doesn't go away, I want this God because the way that you've talked about him from the scriptures. Guys, the power of the height of God's love doesn't leave Tom in that place. Doesn't leave Tom in that hospital dying of cancer. It says, Tom, I'm gonna redeem your soul and then I'm gonna redeem your body and I'm gonna bring you the heights of heaven. You'll never deal with cancer. You'll never deal with what you're dealing with. You won't be a 63 year old man without family near you and alone outside your, your bedside. You will have a family and a home in heaven without cancer. This is the height of heaven. He's not leaving him there. And friend, he won't leave you where you are at either. This is the height. And I need Tom so I can see that God doesn't leave us where he found us. And then last I see that this depth, if I think about a person like me, the sins I've done to my family, to women in the past, my sexuality, with what I've said to my family, with what I've done to my friends, things I've said to different ethnicities and races, the amount of sin that I've committed would put all of you guys to shame. I'm the chief of sinners in this room. 
And the fact that God could love someone like me when I thought literally these thoughts in my life, and I said this to my friend, Josh, uh, he can tell you these things because uh, I kind of confess on him. I thought churches, church plants in particular were stupid. I'll never do one. I think pastors are ignorant and they don't know anything. And then I think adoption is stupid. I said literally those three things in high school to my friend, Josh. He brings them up to me all the time because I'm literally doing all three of those things. If God can take the depth of a terrible person like me, the things I did and I said, forgive me, show me his love, and then even bring someone into ministry to talk about this love of Jesus. If he can do that with me, he can do it with anybody. I'm the lowest of the low and God's depth of his love met me there. And my friends, you need the stories of the saints. You need the stories of me and, and Brandon. You need Randy and you need Ben and Valerie. You need all these stories. You need Jenna, you need Bailey. You need the stories of the saints to know and experience God's love for you. So church, you need to be in community group. Spend time over meals and really get to know each other. Know what each other's been through and how God has sustained them and loved them and was faithful to them. Do you see what I'm saying? The only way we can experience this block is if we enter in more to those conversations with the saints. Now I'm about to have to race through this last point because we spent a lot of time on that one. But I want you to see when you have those three building blocks together, inner strength with God, letting him rule and reign your life, and then comprehending through the stories of all the saints in the scriptures and all the saints in your community group, when you grasp that, here's what happens. You will be filled, verse 19, you will be filled with all the fullness of God. Now that's an interesting phrase filled with the fullness of God. Now, when it says you're filled with the fullness of God, it doesn't mean you become God, right? It means simply that the essence of who God is in his glory is going to be filling your life. For example, if we go to Carson Beach right there in South Boston, and I take a little glass and I scoop up some of the ocean, it wouldn't be proper for me to say that the entire Atlantic Ocean is in my glass. The Atlantic Ocean is massive and it's vastly beyond what's in my glass. All the ocean is not in my glass, but all that the ocean is, is in my glass. Meaning the very essence of what the ocean is would be contained in the glass. Do you see this, where this illustration is going? So this verse is telling us that all of the vast infiniteness of God will be put in us by the virtue of his nature, his character, and his love will be in us. And therefore, friends, we will sort of become like him and think like him and begin to act like him and love like him and have this even power, if you will, like him. Guys, do you see that? Now is where we're getting to why the Christian life can be a powerful experience Listen, if I'm filled with the fullness of God, then God is gonna move powerfully in and through me. And that takes us again to verse 20. Again, inner strength leads to an indwelling Christ. That leads to an incomprehensible love, which results in this infinite fullness and power with God. Guys, it's such a sad reality when Christians, when Christians often walk around feeling inadequate and unable, when we have this at our disposal. Guys, if we're not seeing the power of God in your life, Listen, it's because we're not filled with the fullness of God. And if we're not filled with the fullness of God, it's because we're not rooted and grounded in his love. 
If you're not rooted and grounded in his love, it's because you, have, you haven't let Christ fully rule and reign in your life. And if Christ is not ruling and reigning in your life, it's because you haven't developed a strong inner life or relationship with him. And here we are at the start of last week's message. Each building block matters and we must have them connected to each other so that we can see and sense and experience the power of God at work in our lives. And guys, listen, listen, when this happens, all four of these things built on each other, when this happens, you will see things that occur in your life that are beyond what you think or could have imagined. When trials come, you'll have a strength that you never knew was there. The addictions you have will begin to decrease. When ministry opportunities come, you'll have a strength and a power in that ministry that you never knew was there. With your roommates, your marriage, your kids, with your boss, when your tongue or with your anger is, is sharp, God's care and restraint will be there. And why would he want this sort of power in us? Why would he want all this to happen? Look at it in verse 21. Why God wants all these building blocks in place is for this reason. Unto him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all the nations forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Guys, God wants you to develop the inner self. Let him rule and reign in your life. Experience all of his love so that more and more and more people could know who he is. That's what it means to glorify God to have more people know his story, his character, his heart for humanity. And guys, there is something rich that God wants to have for you. So if you're struggling with sensing God's presence or if God's even at work in your life or even sees you, it's because one of these building blocks are off. And what Paul's doing, he's saying, this is the Christian experience. Sometimes the blocks do get knocked off. Sometimes someone knocks them off. Sometimes you and I walk away from the blocks. And so what's Paul doing? He's like, I know this is the Christian experience. And therefore God's saying, I know this is the experience. And Paul's praying that we would go back to the blocks and we would build the inner strength with our time with God. Daily prayer, daily Bible reading, confession of sin, spending time with the saints. God, help me. I'm struggling with this area of my life. Help me understand who you are, God. Let me read it again. Let me pray again about the same thing I've always been praying for that builds the inner strength. You begin to let God have rule and reign over your life. His ways become your ways. And then you begin to understand God's love for you. The breadth, the length, the height, the depth. You experience a power begin to happen in your life. And then when you pray, and when you begin to work in your life and do things, you'll see God move in ways that are beyond your prayers or imagination. And guys, I'm not a perfect example of this by any means, but I know this scripture is true. If God can take a kid that was as sinful and disgusting as I was, that thought pastors, church planning and adoption all were dumb and I was never gonna do it. And if God would do miracle moving things in my heart and me watching some of my friends and neighbors come to faith this past year that I prayed for, friends that I didn't think would come to faith in Jesus because of how far they were and how far my heart was. I prayed for five of my friends to come to faith in Christ and they have. Within one year's time, God did more than I thought or dreamed. And why did he do it? Verse 21, for his glory. So that more and more people could know who he is. Do you see how this works together, friends? This is what we're praying for. So let me throw some action points on the screen. This is what I want you to do to cultivate these blocks in your life. 
Guys, if you just consider all the Advent resources that our church has sent to you, guys, look on your general and Slack. I sent you about three or four, or Emily sent you about three or four. Great Advent resources to look over scripture, open your heart and see really what's going on in your life. What are you struggling with? What are your doubts, fears, worries? What's happening inside of you? Would you give that to the Lord? Would you set a time and appointment, sit down, pull out a chair, sit down on it, open your Bible, have an appointment with the Lord and work through some of these Advent resources. Guys, I'd encourage you to take the church-wide reading plan. We're about to finish up the entire New Testament this year. We've got a little bit left. But guys, what's coming around the corner in January is a brand new reading plan. That It's not just reading the Bible, but it's interacting with God through his word, hearing him speak, and then telling him my thoughts according to those words, where I, where I struggle to believe what I just read, or I'm kind of distracted, or I'm struggling. Would, would you read the Bible like that? Like an interaction, let God speak through first through his word, and then respond. Guys, even would you pray the Bible? Literally open up the book of Psalms, like some of us learned at our church-wide retreat a couple years ago. Open up your Bible, look at a Psalm, take some of the verses and pray them. And ask God to work in your heart through those things. Like the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Pray, Lord, there's lots of things that I want that's not you. Sometimes I don't trust you're my shepherd. God, would you help me? God, I want to believe you're my shepherd. You're going to care for me and guide me, but I'm struggling right now. Would you help me believe? Guys, that's what I mean by praying the Bible. You look at a few words and you tell God what your thoughts or feelings are about those words. You interact with him. It's like a conversation. Would you do that to build the inner strength? And then last, guys, I really, really want you to hone in on this. Guys, the biggest thing I did last year that I'm so grateful for my journey, Lord, is I started journaling my prayers. I'm not a great journaler. I'm not a great speller, but I got a new journal and a pen that I liked and I just journaled and journaled and journaled my prayers. And they were like bullet points. I'm not a really nice, uh, I got a really nice letter from Valerie and Ben this past uh, week with our family celebrating adoption and she has beautiful pen womanship or however that word works. And I don't have that. And I don't write really good sentences and structured well, but I write bullet points. And I've gone back over that list and I'm watching all the things God did, all the ways he answered and just crossing them off over and over and over. Things I'm praying for you, not just for myself, things for you. And I'm watching things happen in your lives, in my life, in my kids' lives. And some things happen in our network, in our city. And guys, I want you to pray to him who can do more than you think or imagine. I want you to pray like that and believe that he will do those things. I want you to have an inner strength with an eternal savior.